If someone stops going to the gym, he will lose all his muscle weight. The same if you stop studying, you will lose all your, your, your muscles in the brain or they will start shrinking. You will forget certain techniques and concepts. You will get worse at the poker tables. That's, that's a law. Period. And you will lose your money because you make less money or you start losing money with poker. You still have all the expenses. All the money is gone. All the success is gone. You're not successful anymore. You were successful once, maybe for a certain period, but it never lasts forever. So you have to earn the success over and over and over again. Hi, it's Ranchex. This episode with Ben CB was first published on YouTube in March, and we are finally bringing it to you here in audio. Ben is one of the most successful online poker tournament players of all time. I admire his dedication and his work ethic. He's a great guy, and we all can learn so much from him. So I hope you will enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Ben CB. And we're live. All right. Hey, guys, I... Uh I'm happy to be here. We have a wonderful guest today. And as you saw, we have this new starting now thing in the countdown and everything. Uh, it's the first time I'm doing this. Something that I can, well, I sort of learned it from Jane Anders when I was on his show uh, last week. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. You know, and obviously now we have Ben as a guest. And I wanted, you know, to already have an audience when I'm introducing him because, well, it's Ben CB. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who he is. Uh, he's achieved great success in um, tournament poker and he's currently one of the most recognized coaches out there for No Limit Hold'em tournaments. So super pumped to, uh, to have you here, man. I, I'm very grateful about the invitation. Looking forward to talk about stuff that we both enjoy talking about, poker minds and business. And I really like what you guys are doing. So let's have a good time. Yeah, sounds great. All right, so well, shall we start? Well, maybe, you know what? Because you have so many things that are going on uh, right now, as I can see from outside. What are you the most passionate about nowadays? Uh, I would say the most passionate I'm about in these days is the things, the things that... You have no clue about what's going to happen. So if you start a project and, you know, you make your plans and you kind of draw in your head how it might turn out to be, whether it's a project or it's a core, whatever it is. And I'm really excited about the, the things that you can't expect, the mistakes, um, the obstacles, because these will provide you new insights, new learnings. You will become better. Uh, you make it better next time. Um, I, it's it's an unwritten rule that whenever you start something, something will not turn out the way you expected it to be. So for me, it's really about the the journey. Wh whatever project it is, it's about the yeah the insights I can gain that I can then replicate onto other projects. If I speak about certain projects, it's certainly uh the the training software that we're about to launch very soon um it's certainly working with uh with with the people with my team that makes me really excited every day and something i'm very very harsh about uh who am i working together with because i see my team as a family so i want to make sure i don't let anyone in that or anybody in who might 
might harm this environment of very creative, a very trustworthy environment uh, where people have each other's backs, where they support each other, not wasting each other's times, very respectful for each other. And I definitely, definitely takes always a longer for us to hire someone new or to get more people on board. I mean, today now we're more than 20 people for re- working for Razor Edge. But uh, we've also tested a lot of people. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that fires me up every day to, to work with these people. Right. I'm actually going to have a lot of questions about this part, you know, the team and uh, all of this. I think we, we'll get to it a bit later, right? Because to me, it's I'm going through similar process myself at the moment. And I think it's really interesting, the transition from being um, a full-time poker player, which is basically an individual type of affair. Of course, you have your team around you, the people that you work with, you, the, the people you study with. But there's not much going on in terms of delegation, in terms of, you know... Uh, dividing the responsibilities. And this is obviously something that's going on in the business. But let's get back to that later because I want to just point out, it's so interesting that you're saying that this thing of not knowing what's going to happen is really interesting to you and this is what drives you. I wonder how did you, in the first place, transition from, you know, being a very successful poker player to... When did you decide and why, okay, I want to do something more and this is what I'm going to do? Well, I also realized very early on that playing poker is a, is a very lonely journey. And I, of course, had my crew around me that I studied with, that where we supported each other. But I think it's very important to always understand that whatever you do, whether it's in poker or whether someone is listening who has a business, these days... Things are changing so fast. And I went through several periods in my poker career where I had to make a tremendous cut and then start something new. Whether it's from um, playing short stack cash game, that's where I initially started actually. Uh, Back then it was the short stack strategy uh, that was very popular amongst uh, a lot of grinders, just, you know, playing by the shard and uh, following it blindly and just being a, a rakeback slave, so to speak. Um, but it didn't work out for me, so I had to switch to sitting ghost. And I think at some point they also abandoned the short stack game. Uh, then the rakeback cuts with the abandoning of Supernova Elite were introduced. So I need to also then make a transition into tournament poker. Um, and I, I realized uh, it probably also comes from the way I've been raised, I, I don't know where it comes from, but but I always had this awareness that whatever you do, it will never last forever. So even if I'm doing something right now and I'm doing very successful in it, or I, I'm very successful, successful, I'm not leaning back. And, and it, yes, of course, I enjoy the success, but I'm totally aware that this is not going to last forever, that I have to earn the success over and over again, whether it's in this very industry that I'm currently operating in, or it might be in a different industry. So. I also realized, hey, I don't want to be 100% dependent on poker being, I mean, let's face the truth. Poker is still very, very much considered as gray area in a lot of countries. So it's not unlikely that it get banned and you can't really make a living out of it, especially for online poker. And I don't consider myself as live poker. I don't see it as an option to, let's say, if online poker gets banned, which the, the chances are very, very low. Don't get me wrong. 
I don't consider myself as a live player and transitioning into live poker and then traveling the world. So in order to stay in charge of my own life, I need to make a decision. So in order to not be 100% dependent on poker, I need to acquire business skills. And then combining what I'm good at, which is poker, with building a business that I can then, again, replicate in another industry. So whenever maybe poker gets banned, I can use my infrastructure or my experience that I've gained in the business and start a new business. But let's say if I just rely on, oh, your poker is going to be there forever, it might be. I'm not saying everyone has to do it. It's just the way I work and I gain I gain certain, yeah, you can call it calmness or whatever. Um, I don't rely on the fact that I'm 100% dependent on poker and I can just move into something else when something happens. And the same, that's why I always, I sometimes play a little bit of PLO. I, I, I love to play cash game. So even if I get tournaments banned, I, I could afford a living make, uh, from, make, from cash games. I have to start low, of course, but it's not that I start from scratch. Same with business. Like poker gets banned. I have my experience with Razor Edge and I can, I can, I probably still need to learn a lot of new stuff for another industry, but I don't start from scratch. So this gives me the confidence that wherever I'm operating in, whatever happens, I will be successful in something else. And this has nothing to do with being arrogant. This is just having the mindset of, hey, no matter when I, where I'm successful at right now, I have to earn the success over and over again and already plan ahead. What, what might happen if poker gets banned? It's not that I have sleepless nights. Oh, my poker, God, poker gets banned. It's just this a very, very uh, core fundamental mindset of mine to not trying to be too dependent on outside factors. Right. I think it's so interesting that, you know, from what you're doing, it's basically you build up the skill set that you know is <laughs> going to be useful for you throughout the life. You know, and even if we think about your journey of transitioning from uh, the short-time uh, cash games to sit-and-goes to tournaments, you apply the same approach to like, okay, I'm starting here, it's pretty low, and I'm going to move up, and I know the strategy how to move up. I know how to learn, I know how to um, build up my skill, right? And that's a skill yeah. in its own, just basically being able to you know, figure out where you need to get and how to get there. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I see it. That's why I'm telling everyone uh, who might not be successful in poker, be very, very conscious about what poker is teaching you because you will be able to use these teachings for your life. Usually a poker player that has been there for at least a year and consistently grinding and suffered all the bad beats and variants, you will be automatically less susceptible to bad beats in life you will have gained a massive edge. And everyone that I know that transitioned from poker into business, not saying that everyone got successful, but it's much easier for them to go through shit. Like everyone reported me, wow, were others going to give up? I just try once more, once, once again. I'm just going to get up one more time. I, oh, all right, this investment deal didn't work out. Bad luck here, bad luck there. All right, not a big deal. So you will become much, you become like a, like a turtle, you know, you're just your, 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 your um, Kevlar is growing and growing and uh, any bad beat that you will have in life 
it will it will be much harder for the bad beat to reach your inner core and bring you out of balance and yeah where you then end up making stupid decisions or tilting it's just less likely it might still happen but yeah that's that's what i'm trying to also bring across with my with my message like because i know not everyone can be successful in poker otherwise poker wouldn't be sustainable but use the teachings that you learn from poker for your life and apply them properly mm. what a great advice and of course you know because it com- comes back to and i often say this that you know if if you're going into poker for money alone then it's probably a super bad idea because there's yeah. easier ways to make money there's easier ways to <laughs> do things but if you're enjoying it if you enjoy the process and the process comes with the bad swings with with everything it, the whole thing is a whole process if you enjoy it it's it's a great thing it's one of the most liberating professions there is but for, is. but for somebody who yeah. just goes in there like okay i want to make you know i want to make a living but doesn't really love it it's yeah. probably not a great idea especially because we, we're talking about the acquisition of skills here a person who's not enjoying the process is not going to learn from this process he's not going to reflect on you know yeah. oh, that downswing teaches me this you know oh this experience teaches me this or for example okay now i realize how important it is to collaborate with other people to seek advice to be open-minded you know to have this beginner's mindset in everything that you approach um if you don't learn from these experiences, then if you ever have to go away from poker, you didn't actually gain new skills. You just wasted a lot of time and probably didn't really enjoy your time along the way. That's true. I have to I have to add though that it's also commonly distributed among social media, but this is also in other industry, but especially for poker. If you're in for the money, it's not gonna work out. This is this is not not really true or it's just only half of the truth because we are all in for the money i mean come on of course because the money provides us with the necessities or with the with the tools or with the freedom in order to keep growing however there's the catch once you reach the money it's your goddamn responsibility to then use this newly acquired financially and financial and and, and time freedom to to work on yourself, to then invest in yourself, whether it is through mentors, whether it is then using the time to, you know, live a more healthier life, to spend the money on what could be dating coaches or whatever, self-improvement coaches, you know, to basically work on yourself to, to have a happier life, to go traveling, to learn new cultures, to start meditating on a regu- regular basis. because. The, the two main reasons why people got into poker is to have more time, to have their own freedom, and to make more money. But once you acquire it, you have to reinvest it. So this is only a milestone. What most people do wrong is they only do it for money, and they only do it for the freedom. So I know a lot of poker players who managed to, to reach it, to make a lot of money, and to acquire a lot of freedom, but then they stop. And then they wonder why they're not happy. But it's like, it's the same as you're in school and you graduate, most people think, oh, now I'm done educating myself. But that's where it actually started when you go out in the real world, learning new stuff, applying all the concepts you have learned. Okay, to be fair, 
at least in my opinion, we don't learn a lot in school. But then you go out there, you do the stuff in practice, you make, you, you have failures, you will, think, you will fuck up things, but you learn from it and you try it over again. So don't make the mistake in thinking of, um, yeah, once I reach the freedom, I, want, I, I reach the money, then this is the happiness. No, that's actually where it started, where you then go on the journey to find your own happiness, what it, whatever it is, and finding your why's and or actually realizing your why's why do you want to reach the freedom and money in the first place i always bring up the example of okay you want to reach freedom you want to reach money why is it because i want to travel okay why do you want to travel because i want to see new cultures i want to see new countries okay why do you want to see new cultures i want to uh, meet new people why do you want to meet new people yeah i want to finally also then have the time and, and the money to establish relationships uh yeah but why do you want to have relationships uh yeah because uh, i want to find the love of my life boom then you have a very meaningful life uh meaningful why but again once you reach the freedom and reach the money then you have the responsibility to make the best out of it it doesn't mean that along the way you can already also start working on that like being healthy working out uh maybe being more spiritual meditating work on your relationships but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to say here that money and, 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 and uh, this, this freedom of time is very important because what I also see is a lot of people bullshitting themselves. Like, I'm not in for the money. I'm just purely in for the learning experience. I mean, you need time and you need money to do a lot of things that will make things easier. I mean, just a very easy example, like, Every day, I'm so grateful that I can afford an Uber to go to A or B or C. I'm literally sitting in the Uber and reminding myself, God damn, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. But I, of course, I've earned the luck that I don't need to go in public transportation and travel for an hour somewhere to outside of Vienna to go for, for a coaching. Instead, I can just take an Uber and be there in 20 minutes, can listen to a podcast, respond to messages. I think that's pretty epic. And we constantly have to remind ourselves of the things we can afford. If I don't have the money, I wouldn't be able to afford it. So this, again, don't bullshit yourself. It's totally fine to be in for the money and for the freedom of time, but you have to do something about uh, something to do with it and go beyond it. Right. So many things I want to address here because, I mean, first of all, the speaking of this why, I don't remember who said it. Well, probably many people said it, but it's usually it takes five questions why to reach the real um the real question right so yeah, yeah that, that's 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 a good yeah yeah i like that that is really really good thing that you were saying there and um another thing that i want to address is that you know you were saying that we all aspire to get this freedom freedom of time freedom of even location you know so many people think oh i'm going to be a poker player i can travel anywhere and they still end up sitting in the same room for years right the thing is it's not about just having freedom is what you do with this freedom because if you know your free time you use on watching netflix for Every evening, every 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 day, of you know, you spend a couple of years like that. Well, guess what? You know that freedom yeah. was all for nothing. Speaking of all this, that we you know talked so far, the freedom, um, acquiring the skills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I wonder what was your experience when you went into business, when you transitioned from from being just a poker player because like from my what happened to me on, on one perspective was 
as soon as I sort of made a decision, okay, I'm doing more than just poker now, I took on way too many projects. I basically started saying to yes, because like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this and I'm going to participate in this. And then eventually you reach a point where you realize, wow, this is just, this is way too much. And now yeah. I'm in a period <clears throat> where I have to sort of, you know, delegate pretty much everything that I can delegate and uh, try to figure out ways of how to say no to some of the smaller commitments that I've made. Did you have the same experience? And if so, then how did you go about it? Absolutely. I mean, at the beginning, if you get into business, you think, oh, it's going to be so easy. Uh, no obstacles. But once you get into business, you will learn so many things can go wrong. And every release date that you scheduled in a very optimistic way is very likely not going to be the release date that you will be realizing. Um, so as you said, I'm very picky about the projects that I'm taking on. And usually when people reach out to me and I have this idea, I have this idea, like it's going to be super easy. I will, I will deal with that and I will do ABC and you just need to do that. I immediately know that it's not going to work out because they don't have the experience yet to understand what it means to um, whether it is a collaboration, whether it is a new course, whether it is some sort of partnership in any way uh, or some, some software or an app or whatever, they don't understand what, what it actually needs, not only financial resources, but also the human resources in order to realize such a project. And for them, very often, it's just, yeah, just do the software. You're going to be working on that. It's going to be epic. And you guys just bring it out, and in a couple of months, we're done. But very likely, no. Because first of all, usually, especially with software and apps and all that kind of stuff, also with the best coders in the world, they will discover bugs and errors they haven't planned for. And then you have to fix them. And then you get the first feedback on the users because, yes, it's maybe shit that you like, but the customer has a different opinion. And maybe he doesn't like the, the design that you initially thought would be the design you're going to use for the app. So you have to redesign. Maybe you have to change the interface. Then you might have some regulation issues. Um, you might have some payment, uh, uh, payment implementation issues. You might have some, someone might leave, be leaving the team, some private issues. He's going to be gone for it. It's, all these things already happened to me so many times. So I'm always trying to consider that something will go wrong. And if not, great, then we can release earlier. And it takes much more resources and time than you actually think. So for me, I don't want to, it's, let's say, if I sense that there's someone that understands what it needs in order to realize a project, like from the idea to, to, to execution, that he understands the process, then I'm much more willing to also take the, yeah, take the project on. But on the other side, the project has to bring me more value and more value to the team than all the other projects. So even though in the eyes of the guy that is approaching us, an investor or a potential partner, whatever, it has to be better than all the other projects. In his eyes, it might be a profitable project or a great idea, and I agree on that, but all the other ones we have are better. Because if I take on a new project, I have to abandon or spend less time and energy on, on another project. 
And that's where often I also get some messages. Yeah, but Ben, I don't understand. It's an epic project. But then I, of course, don't want to tell them, hey, listen, all projects are better. But that's very often the case. So also for you, if you're, if you're, if you're into business and you reach out to people, maybe a collaboration, and you get a no, don't take it too personal. Always keep in mind, they don't know you, they don't know your skills, they don't know what to, you have to offer. So you have to convince them that whatever you're trying to intend to do, it has to bring them more value what they're currently doing. And that's not easy. Right. And yeah, that's, that's, that's very important when you, when you do business or you get into business. It's, it's, it's a matter of values. Or what kind of value you can give or get? Yeah, and also, I feel like it's a bit of a matter of capacity as well, because you know you just have that much capacity to begin with, and sometimes we're overstretched. And I know that some people approach me on uh, something interesting, something that I truly believe is like, yeah, that that's a great idea. But then I see that well, there's no way I'm going to be able to put any of my time in that in the next three to six months so i try to help with like suggesting other people who might be you know capable of, of doing the thing and also like because yeah. for myself i especially in the beginning i i struggled with um, you know all the commitments that you make it's not very easy to start thinking in terms of like okay this i can delegate there this i can make somebody else do this I will not do at all. You know, that mindset, this is one of the skills that I am acquiring still, which is is new to me because in, in poker, obviously, you don't have to do these things. You don't have to like, you're not going to say, okay, now you click the buttons for me, you resize my windows for me, you know, that's not going to happen. And now you, yeah. I'm sort of in a position where I have to think about, okay, who else can do it? Um, how do you how do you go about it? What was your experience starting out? Did you also struggle a bit with this? Like, did you ever catch yourself thinking, "Okay, why am I doing this? Somebody else can do this." Mm, for poker, it was more about trying to have a team and then using the synergy effects between each member of the team. So for me back then, it was that I had a lot of cash game friends uh, that I grew up with in poker. So, of course, I didn't have anyone clicking the buttons for me, but when I had a question about post flop, I'd be able to reach out to someone and he could help me because in, in sit and go poker, you don't need to be a post flop wizard. And on the other side, though, I could help them a little bit more if they play tournaments with ICM stuff or with short stick, short stick game. Like they played cash game. And back then, when they played big stack and they faced a lot of short sticks, I could help them, okay, what would be the proper strategy? And then, of course, on, on, a, on a mental level, just mentally supporting each other. So this is not very much different to a team game where you need to have coaches and mentors that help you and provide you with input, corrections, feedback, criticism. And you have to, do the, you have, to have the same in poker as well. Yeah. And especially like if we think about the analogy of team sports, uh, it's incredible to even think that any team sport or even any individual sport for that matter as well wouldn't have like if we think about a tennis player right all you see is one tennis player performing in the match but they have a big team around them they have you know nutritionists they have uh, all sorts of coaches 
around them. Uh, and it's just normal. Nobody thinks twice about it. It's just, of course, you're gonna have to. You, you're gonna have to do this if you want to be a professional. Whereas in poker, we're only recently coming to this conclusion when people realize that okay, it's pretty obvious that it's not an individual thing. You have to have people that you can work together with, create some sort of synergy. Yeah. How do you feel about because when you basically went into coaching people, right? And and then building your uh, your business with helping so many people achieve their goals. How do you see it? Like what's in it for you personally? Apart from obvious that, you know, the thing that you were already talking about, and I think it's a, it's a great thing, you know, building, uh, building the new skills, acquiring the new capacities. But apart from that, like what's, what's in it for you? I, it just, it's, not less yeah of course so i really enjoy helping people i think that pretty much brings it to the point and i have also realized that i don't mind making myself very very vulnerable in what i'm saying because i try to give very practical advice so for example if there's a spot where usually a lot of coaches would say all right here in this spot you know sometimes you can be looser I'm trying to avoid that. I'm trying to say, okay, against a specific opponent, try to raise 10% less. Try to avoid raising these hands. Maintain these kind of frequencies. I make myself way more attackable because that's, it's very easy to hide behind saying, yeah, you can be looser, you can be tighter. That's very often true. And I know that also with the advice that I give, especially my private coachings, that if I hear someone is bullshitting himself, that I'm going to talk, I'm going to speak it out. I'm not, my, in my coachings, I'm not there to play bullshit bingo and just give someone uh, the, the feedback they want to hear. Because I know a lot of students just would like to take some coaching to get some attention, to just get some confidence. Of course, I give you the confidence, but I also give you straight up feedback whether it's on a strategical aspect of the game or it's the mental part of the game where I think you're just trying to tell your story. Very often, what we like to do as poker players, and I have realized it quite early on, is let's say we play a hand and we post it somewhere. We come up with all the fantasy reasons in order to justify our, our process or we justify our game or our decision, right? Or you could have all these bluffs, like you could have this bluff, this bluff, and this bluff and not pointing out all the value hands he can have. So you can really see the, the pattern in this thought process, how someone just tries to defend his play. He kind of wants to get feedback, but he already wants to point into the direction, like manipulate everyone that is reading it, that, yeah, actually, you're right. What a great play. And then once you tell them, listen, dude, that's bullshit. You're bullshitting yourself. That's why I always encourage people, share your thought process. And you should never take it personal. I never say, hey, you're bullshit. I'm saying your process, your, your decision, this situation was bullshit. And if you're able to not take it personal, I'm not attacking you as a person, then you will start learning so much more. You will start identifying leaks in your thought process that hinder you from making proper decisions. And if you're not able 
to have a proper thought process when posting a hand or reviewing, how will you ever be able to execute a proper thought process when playing, when you're under pressure and you have only 10 seconds, right? So that's why I always see connect, they say connect the dots, see everything from both sides, the value and the bluff part. And in my coachings, I try to be as honest as possible. I, of course, had students who weren't necessarily happy about it, but then at some point they actually said, Ben, I'm glad that you're finally someone that addressed my leaks and addressed my flaws. We're not there to make friendships. I have the feeling sometimes people that reach out, they just want to become friends. But I don't have the time to make new friends right now. I have. I'm very happy with my circle of friends. I'm not saying I'm not open for new friends, but not through coachings. If it happens, I certainly have students that turned out to be friends of mine today. Happens. But this is not my agenda. I'm not doing this. Hey, I want to make new friends. I'm there. You, you spent a lot of money. I will help you to identify your leaks. And I try to twist the way you approach poker that you, will, you, that you will see things that you haven't seen before to make better decisions. That's it. And this brings me a lot of pleasure. Wow. This is so interesting. Because especially like the thing about your no bullshit approach, which I totally love. And I, I, I feel like I'm the same way with my students and in general with my interactions with, the, with people. The biggest lesson you teach um, some of these people is a lesson that they're going to use for life. You know, it's the lesson of being open-minded, being not coming into a conversation just to confirm your ideas. Because if you only want to confirm your ideas, you don't need anyone. Just vocalize the idea and say, yeah, I'm right. That should be enough. But that's a stupid goal. You don't learn like this, right? So by you being honest to some people who don't expect it, you know, it maybe opens some of their minds and, and it's great, you know, because in fact, I, I while you were talking about it, I was thinking about something that happened just uh, very recently, like a couple of days ago, I posted a, a new video on YouTube where I analyzed the five biggest spots from Golf and Challenge, right? And I had several high stakes players reach out to me uh, privately and they were saying like, oh this is great stuff can you elaborate on this thought like you said this and that like what do you think there and at the same time i had some comments from people who are not the high stakes players who would just say oh this is bullshit like what are you talking about this this makes no sense and i'm thinking you know and maybe my idea is not right. I'm open to the idea that maybe it's not correct. You know, I can be convinced otherwise, but I would be at least open-minded to, to ask like, so what do you think about it? Like, what, what is your idea? And so many people sort of just see something and say, well, it doesn't fit the way I see life. It doesn't fit my knowledge. So it must be bullshit. And let's just say it's bullshit and, uh, you know, not even investigate. It's crazy. It, it comes comes to the same of, you know, how, how people post their hands and also how they review other people's hands. And yeah, it's it's such a huge skill for a poker player to have to be open to the idea that you don't know everything and open to the idea that you make mistakes because, hey, we all make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes and, uh, you know, it's how you learn from them. It's that's what you know differentiates the the best players from the rest absolutely and the I biggest mean, part about mistakes is actually just realizing that that's a mistake because how are you ever gonna realize that 
you play bad if you don't have a proper process that allows you to objectively ev evaluate your game, right? Or if you don't have an outside observer, as in a coach or a study partner or just a, a friend who plays poker who could look from outside and say, hey, you know what? I want to hear your thoughts here. What did you do here? Do you even know what you did here? Right? If we don't have such a process, if you don't have such an influence from outside, how do you improve? How do you find out that you made a mistake? Yeah. I think the way I poker always approach, and essentially you can mirror it for life as well, poker or the variance in poker is going to take everything you have until you hit rock bottom or you learn. Mm. Yeah, and you that... can make the decision. You can let it happen that you will fall into a vicious cycle of constantly getting closer and closer to rock bottom, or you realize, fuck, I suck shit, I have to start learning, and then you get yourself out of this black hole. Mm. Or you can be the random dude on YouTube or Twitch or wherever on social media making stupid comments. And I'm not saying criticism is stupid comments, but just trying to um, yeah, impose your opinion onto others in a very disrespectful way and always claiming this is the wrong play without questioning your own thought process, without even considering the real reasons behind a certain play. And man, I had so many great discussions with other poker players reaching out on social media or give constructive feedback. But if you don't really see that we have literally solved only I don't know. It's less than 10% of poker. I mean, if you look into how GTO wants to play certain spots with all the different sizings from min bet to 10 times over bet pot, and we fuck up so many spots, even from a GTO perspective, even we as a coach or someone that is more experienced, I would say we are so far away from perf playing perfect and we do so many mistakes. And But that's all right. That shows you how much more room to improve there is and once you understand that, you will also realize that it's actually not that difficult, in theory, to get ahead and gain an edge. Because there are so many spots that you can good, get good at and try to gain an edge. Um, that's why so many different styles are successful. Because ultimately, you only need to be a little bit better than everyone else. Let's say everyone else is at 4%. Let's say... If you play 100%, you play perfect, but everyone is maybe at 3% or 4%. And if you at 5%, that's enough. And you will be a crusher. But of course, you have to admit yourself first that there are a lot of spots that you don't or that you should learn and spend some time on studying in order to, to get this edge over your competitors. Right, right. One thing that is an easy target, which I have in front of my eyes right now, I'm, I'm looking at your Twitter account and it says, and in your description, it says helping people to excel in poker and life. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just beautiful. I, I really like it, you know, because if you think about it, like most people on Twitter, they would put whatever, you know, things. Not many people have a big statement like this. You know, and I think it characterizes you in a, in a very interesting manner, you know, that you see it as 
sort of your identity in, in a way that you are a guy who's helping people to excel in poker and life. I think it's beautiful. Just wanted to point it out. No, no big reason. <laughs> Thank you. Well, right. I can maybe I can give you a few more words about it. Um, I understand that marketing is important. If you have a good, good thing to offer, a good service or a good product, you need to be able to communicate it in a way that people are also convinced to buy your stuff, right? However, I I try to find the balance between marketing but also showing people that this is not everything. And at the end of the day, it's, that's why I'm also um, very careful about showing my results. One day I will, pretty sure. Um, but that it's, it's not necessarily important what someone's <coughs> results are. It's more important to, to see what this guy's actions are. What can he, what's his, What's his uh, approach of coaching? What value does he bring to me, even without I haven't spent any money? Can I, have, can I trust this guy? So I'm not a big fan of wherever you see me putting right there, okay, I have won this, I have made so much money, this, 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 this. You will see that in a lot of people's description first. But this is not important in order for you to see if someone brings you the value that you can expect for the money that you spend on this guy. From a marketing perspective, it would be for sure better to put in that I won the 100K, I was one of the biggest sit and go winners, I made XYZ amount of money over the past two years, whatever. But for me, even though I might make less sales, it's less important. Because to be fair, if there's a guy who uh, discovers Ben CB and raise your edge. And then he does his research and he sees, oh, his Shaskop is blocked. Oh my God, let's write a comment. This is a scam address. This is a, this is an, this is an idiot, whatever. Why don't you reveal yourself? Blah, 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 blah. I don't want these people. I don't want their money. They should go somewhere else. I want quality. I want hardworking, dedicated, positive people joining raise your edge. I'm happy because for me, it's also some sort of filter because what do we teach in poker? Not being fucking results orientated. So of course, I'm trying to live by these beliefs for myself as well. I'm not trying to constantly promote on Twitter, on social media. Our course is the greatest. That's the best course ever. At the end of the day, the students are deciding what is the best course. What we can do is focus on what is in our control, trying to uh, deliver good content, updating it on a regular basis, and then you guys decide what's the best course. That's all we can do. But it's very important to understand that in life, it's not necessarily about the results that someone have. I think if you do your research, and if you're really interested, and if you see, hey, this guy is genuine, I like what he's doing, let's check him out, and let's do some thorough research, you will see that I have the... I have the uh, authority if this is the right word to say or the experience that gives me the permission to teach that stuff that this is stuff that's that works on the table and offside the table and that will also help you in life and that's how i approach it and always finding a balance between marketing good marketing of course i mean we also have to pay our employees we also have to pay our editors we also have to pay for the content that we are creating i'm not editing everything by myself of course 
We'll also have to pay the eight coaches that provide free content and free feedback and helping people in Discord. We have to pay the support staff that are giving 24-7, uh, trying to at least uh, give 24-7 feedback uh, in our support tickets. This all needs to be paid, our servers, all the, all the software and hardware that we're using. And so marketing is important. I always see it as if someone makes good content, they can use all the fucking marketing techniques in the world. I don't mind. They can try to lure me into a sales funnel. I don't care. As long as the content is good. But if your content sucks shit and you try to yeah, fake or make an illusion about your product by using marketing techniques, that's something I don't like. That's why I'm also very careful about it. And I think great value comes with a great relationship, with a, with a level of trust with your students, with the people that you work with with your friends, with everyone. Hmm. This is very interesting. And I, I can re totally relate to what you're saying because I'm also like yourself. I'm not posting my results. Um, also primarily for the reason that I, I do believe we shouldn't be results oriented. And if somebody comes to join uh, our program, our coaching program, only because they see, oh, this guy's a crusher, I don't want that because that's the wrong motivation. I want you to come in and because, you know, we do the coaching for profit. It's a long-term project. I want somebody who sees that they want to achieve something big in a, in a year's, in a two year's time. I don't want somebody who's chasing, you know, oh, I want to make this much money uh, in the next couple of months. That's the wrong motivation. That's the wrong kind yeah. of person. So yeah, I can totally relate to you. And also, Coming back to what you were saying, it just seems that, you know, your approach in general with also the things that you were saying earlier about, you know, having this no bullshit approach is just you sort of remain genuine, right? Which is, I think, such a great quality to have. And, you know, nowadays, especially when too many people get bogged down into the marketing and promoting and, you know, saying things that they're getting paid to say. It's so important that to, to still maintain, you know, your integrity and, and, and remain genuine. You know, this yeah. is one of the things that I like the most about this podcast, you know, because I, uh, it started out initially because as a head coach for Bluff the Spot for our PLO product, uh, obviously I felt some pressure to start creating material out there for, for the public, you know, so that we can put, we put these podcasts later on YouTube and we, you know, obviously have it here as well for people to watch. Initially I started out like playing while talking to people, interacting with the audience. And I thought, well, this is bullshit. I don't like it. It's not how I play. I like to play fully focused. I don't like to try to vocalize my thoughts while I'm playing. It's not me. And then I thought, you know what, but I would really like to talk to interesting people. I want to have the conversations I want to have, right? And it's been so great, you know? And, and with this, because I'm really enjoying this, it also, I believe, brings the certain quality to the podcast. Because with our guests, you know, we have no agenda, no filters. You want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. You're free to talk about it, right? There's nothing that is sort of, pushed by some interests from one side or another. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously there's more and more content out there and it's, it's great to see that people are genuinely discussing openly the ideas that are actually valuable for a lot of listeners to hear, right? Because I, I think, you know, we both are on the same page in, in terms of by what we're doing, 
because and actually let me hear your opinion on this because a lot of people well i say a lot of people some people right who reach out to me they sort of let's say accuse me of you know oh you're giving away too much and plus you're giving it away for free on youtube you know you're killing your games you already don't have uh, you know much high stakes running on poker stars right now it's just bad it's stupid for business I want to hear your opinion. Do you get people saying the same thing uh, to you? And I, I want to hear what you think about it, and then I can come back to it and I and I can give my own opinion about what I have to say about this. Well, of course, to a certain degree, it's marketing to to show people, hey, uh, that's how we approach poker. This is my way of teaching. So I want people also give an opportunity without spending any money to see how uh, how I play poker how I approach the game, whether they might relate or resonate with the way I approach things. Because unfortunately, what I have done in the past very often is if I sign up for a course or I book a mentor or coach to work with, I should have done more research in advance to see if we have, if we match. Because just because someone is good doesn't mean that the coaching is good. He might still be a good coach. He might have results, but you just don't resonate with each, with each other. So I'm telling people always do your research, always check out the guy first and see if there's a good chemistry. Doesn't even a good coach. Sometimes you just, you don't resonate with him. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish by putting out so much content. So people can see how I approach different things, not only poker, but also of course, mindset related things, my life, um, business and so on and so forth and regarding the game and then of course i mean always find the right balance as i said between marketing and being genuine of course there's also going to be advertisement that says yeah i also made millions but i don't we don't try to stick it on your face on every single post we try to have a very good balance between lots of content lots of value and then here and there of course advertise our products luckily I mean, we also get offered a lot of sponsorship deals and, and partnerships where we could make a shit ton of money, but this would affect the way of we can uh, create our content because then you have to kind of be careful about what you say. So I'm very, very happy that currently we can afford not getting into any partnerships. I mean, our partnerships in terms of that someone is paying us money for a sponsorship. Let's, let's call it sponsorship. Um, so we can be very objective about what we say. We can screen the market. Uh, we can say, this is good. This is bad. You should avoid this. Look for, out for this. And I think people also appreciate that. But you should never forget that I'm not saying sponsorships are bad. I can understand because I have seen how quickly things can turn around. We had been providing our Turner Masterclass in, in, in Russia, in Russian. Uh, with uh, we we dubbed it. Uh, we hired professional translators that, and we have more than forty hours. So you can you can imagine translating forty hours of content into Russian. Then of course providing Russian support and a private uh, private Russian Discord channel for all the Russian grinders. So you have to pay all these people to provide the content, and then you have ongoing expenses to pay these people. But at some point. We were just making minus because people were just pirating our content in Russia. So we said, all right, we're going to stop. We're going to stop operating in Russia. And 
I understand that to some degree, common sense and, um, you know, with all the downloading of, of movies, but you, you destroy business, literally. And if this happens in other languages as well, I, we don't hesitate abandoning from this market. I, I, I feel very sorry for those who, um, of course, we still, uh, we still the, the ones who paid money for the course keep their courses, but we keep, stop updating it and we stop selling. So um, I think what, what people need to understand that it's, it's very important to, 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 to find the right balance between giving value, taking care of your business, finding the right balance and not always stick everything on your forehead. What you said earlier about producing the content and, and getting it out there and, and revealing your game, I think actually it helps because to be fair, I mean, dude, I'm playing so exploitative and I'm pretty sure there are people that exploit me. No matter, you will, you will lose EV. But I think it equalizes with you sharing your thoughts and when you teach things, it has been scientifically proven, it's the best way of learning. The best way of digesting content from books is trying to replicate it by teaching it onto others. That's the best way of studying. If you want to study a topic and you try to you know, learn it by heart, you sit there for five hours and try to learn all the facts, or you take three hours to prepare yourself for a lecture, for a two-hour lecture, and trying to, to teach the things you have learned in the book, you will have manifest the knowledge 10 times more than by trying to learn it for yourself. So never forget that when you teach poker, you will learn much faster. You will manifest what you were just talking about, all the concepts, strategies, and techniques. And at the end of the day, to be honest, people are lazy. They're not going to... Uh, not going to write notes on you. I mean, if you play in an incredible small player pool, as you might do, where you have only 10, 15, 20 PLO high-stakes racks, but I think you can also design it in a way where you tailor your game towards a low-stakes, mid-stakes audience, because 99.9% .9 of your viewers are not going to be playing high-stakes. So you don't need to show all the exploits that you're doing that are not going to be helpful for low-stakes players anyway because they're not playing in the same pool. So you can keep it very simple, uh, teaching the basics, showing them how to exploit weaker players uh, that your competitors cannot take advantage of. So I think there's always a way where you can play live or you can vocalize your thoughts without losing too much EV against your competitors. I think that's totally possible. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's totally possible. I really struggle with it. Though. <laughs> I really struggle because I, I know that especially uh, recently with the Phil Galfon challenge, you know, I've been commentating on on their stream. I've been commentating on Jane Anders's stream. Uh, I've been putting out some videos on my own, and I know that uh, a lot of well, several high stakes guys reached out to me and. And they just said, well, you know what, thank you for putting it out there. You, know, you opened my eyes to some new ideas. And then I realized, okay, if the high stakes guys, if my direct competition actually go out so far as to send me a personal message about it, I must have said something that is a big idea and I probably shouldn't have. But at the same time, I'm not like, I mean, it's done, it's done. But uh, the way I see it, it's like, okay, so I helped you, but uh, I'm still learning. If you want to outwork me, if you want to outlearn me, but go ahead, you know, we're, that's the competition. 
because nobody's static. I'm not static. I keep improving. And I know that perhaps, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you're making the games harder. Yes and no. I don't necessarily think so because if I help some people get away from poker, because I think some people shouldn't play poker. I think it's a good thing. It's something that's good for me on a personal level. You know, I, I feel like, okay, I help them do something more meaningful with their life. And if I feel that I can help some people who otherwise are just mediocre and don't really go in any direction of, you know, improving, if I help them, well, guess what? I just helped the whole poker industry, the whole poker market, because it grew, you know, and in one sense that people, I see, I, I see that people seem to forget that, you know, if you only try to protect your games, it's just such a short-term thinking because the games are not going to last forever if you don't get new influx of new people coming in. And if the only news that people hear about poker is, oh my God, it's so tough, you know, it's the entry point is so difficult, you can't just get in and, and uh, become good. That's not great for, for the poker industry. If we can create a way to show people what it means to be a professional poker player, to help them along the way, to, to help them get good routines, good understanding of how to build your life around it, how to be a professional, the whole industry benefits. Right. Well, not only the entire industry. If you if you take it a little bit more from a philosoph philosophical approach, philosophical is that the right way to say philosophical. Like if you if yeah. you apply philosophical, more philosophy, yeah, yeah, yeah. philosophical. Um, imagine what these regulars avoid about that you destroy the games because you teach people how to get better. First of all. You still need to want it. Just because you deliver a course doesn't mean you deliver a magic pill. You still need to apply. You still need to execute. And you still need to be very dedicated in order to get the results. So let's say, let's assume what they're saying is right. You destroy the industry. It essentially means that everyone you is teaching is becoming so good that there are too little fish and the games are not beatable anymore. It's just you basically, you know, it's a zero-sum game against the, amongst the wrecks, and then there are going to be too many wrecks, according to their assumptions. And we're basically just paying rake to the providers, poker stars, party poker, and so on and so forth. But let's take it further. What that means is, if we take meditation, if we take the fitness industry, health industry, with all their courses, everyone, if they would be so dedicated, would be meditating because they see the benefits. Everyone understands the benefits of meditating, yet so little people are doing it. Everyone understands why a healthy diet is important, yet so little people are doing it. I, everyone understands the, the benefits of working out, yet so little do it. Everyone understands the benefits of doing your own business and finding your passion and vision, yet too many people are scared and trapped in their nine to five. So why in the world in poker should it be the same? So there are going to be people that take the content but they simply don't do anything about it. But if this would be the case, damn, we would be in such a happy place. This world would be a completely different place. Everyone would be happy. Everyone would be healthy. Everyone would be fit. Everyone would do 
the stuff they want in their lives. We are not suppressed by all the big industry, politicians, uh, financial system. We would finally escape the nine to five. I would be so happy if I destroy poker. That means that we finally understand or the, the human beings have reached a level of, of execution and dedication that they will also translate into the other lives and the world will be such a greater place. I give a fuck about poker. I want the world to be a better place. If that means poker dies and we're going to have a, a, a better place in the world that where everyone is going to be healthier, uh, we have less wars and all that kind of shit, dude, I would take it right away. Isn't that great? Wow. But it, it, unfortunately, it's not that way. Mm. And if people would truly master a game that is really difficult to master, they would also be able to, to master their health, their fitness, uh, their meditation, their, their spiritual approach, becoming more self-aware, finally understanding uh, what, what's going on in this world. We would be more enlightened, simply healthier, having better relationships, uh, less people that burn out, less people that will suffer obesity, less people that will commit suicide. Only thinking about poker, I think it's a very selfish approach. This is a very selfish approach, to be honest. Again, wow. I would trade it every single time if we, by offering our content, we make the world a better place. I would take it. Oh man, listen, I've been just sitting here smiling the whole time while you're talking this. It's it's great. Uh, what I mean, this is a highlight clip right here. <laughs> amazing, amazing advice. And you're totally right. That's exactly the thing. People, you know, there's so much material out there on anything that you want to learn nowadays. Anything. Material is not the problem. Doing the work is the problem. People are lazy. Like you said, people are lazy. It's not about that... You know, it, there's no information out there. There's information about anything. Anything you can imagine that somebody else did before, there's probably instructions on how to do it. Doesn't mean that it's easy. Doesn't mean that you can just, you know... And I hate these things of, you know, these stupid books or these stupid catchy um, videos or, or anything like, oh, you know, the top seven tips to make you a billionaire. Like, oh, please please is there well, really the seven good, things if it's if it's really valuable tips i don't mind you can take the clickbaitiest title if it's really good content and good advice oh absolutely yeah but most of the time it is not yeah most of the time nothing leaves uh lives up to a statement of you know the five things that are gonna make you a billionaire that's bullshit you know the five things that you absolutely need to know sure i agree that probably can exist right um yeah, so anyway. And you know what? Actually, it came back to my mind now. The thing that I, I thought about from the podcast with Joey Ingram that you did, uh, which I wanted to address. I found it super interesting when you were describing how you were, to the point, annoying to other people. When you were studying, when you were trying to reach out to as many people as you could in the forums and Otherwise, by just trying to get their opinion about your hands, the way you played, just to improve. And uh, do you want to talk a bit more about that? Because I found that story was so interesting. I was just grinding the forum. We had Poker Strategy. They were offering 
free hand reviews from very experienced coaches. And I thought, well, why not taking it? And I was just posting hands, not trying to spam, but I posted my two, three hands and they never complained about it. I think deep inside, they kind of got annoyed by me, but nobody said you can only post five or 10 hands a day or whatever. So I tried to post as much as possible. I also tried to give feedback as much as possible to others. And of course, always share what I was thinking in the hand and then see what the coach has to say or others and then learn from it. I, I literally made myself so naked about the hands that I had no clue about how to approach them. And then I tried to grind my way up and save money for a coach because I understood. Listen, it's not that, that this was granted to me from early on. I, I started playing football i fucked it up because of my ego uh, i think i i had very good talent i was never i was never very very hard working or dedicated when i was training though i was training in a very effective way i always wanted to win so i was gave 110 percent. but it was simply not enough because i was not practicing often enough so we had three four times training during the week but others they trained every day plus, you know, a workout in the morning. So especially when I got turned 16, 17, you could see how I was falling behind. And especially in this age, you know, partying, going out, especially back then in my hometown, uh, being a football player, you got a lot of free, or soccer player, wherever country you're from. Uh, if you're from the US, soccer, if you're from Europe, football, you were recognized as, yeah, as some sort of, someone important so you naturally had a lot of friends you got invited to a lot of parties so this was of course nutrition for my uh for my for my ego and i lost the attention i lost the focus for yeah trying to become a professional football player and then with uh 1920 at this point in time let's say 1718 i got more into esports as well started playing counter-strike more seriously until like 19 20 21 Again, uh, when I played, I wanted to beat everyone. I wanted to be the best. I was, for this little amount of time I was practicing, uh, I was actually pretty good. I was still playing hours a day, but on the weekends I went out partying. I never really went on, to, on LAN parties. I, I, I wanted to hang out with my real life friends. And there again, I could see, I could compete with very good players on a very good level, but it was simply not enough to make this final step to become a pro. Because, you know, my ego said, yeah, you don't need a lot of training. You don't need a lot of practice. And then I got into poker. And I understood, listen, this time, in order to really make it happen, you have to drop your ego. You might reach 80%, 90% again, but in order to reach this 100%, you need this final step of let your ego go. Never think you're too good. Let, uh, let others give you feedback. I was very reluctant towards feedback. I always said, yeah, what the fuck? What are you trying to tell me? Like, I'm I'm super good. I'm awesome. And I learned from these two mistakes I made in, in poker and football and in esports. And that's where I maybe it was sometimes a little over the top, but constantly striving for feedback. Hmm. I find it very interesting that, you know, this is very much the same journey that you're having from since you're a teenager, basically, of constantly building up your skills. You know, you, you take skills from one field that you go into and you apply the same skills into another one and you know when you were saying about what downswings should teach to people you know how how to handle your emotions how to handle 
you know, the downswings that of course are going to come in your normal life. Right. Yeah. And also like this thing about the ego and how you realized from your, and I mean, let's face it in Counter-Strike, I don't know about football, but in Counter-Strike you achieved great success, you know, but many people would say, oh, you were one of the great players, you know, you don't see it that way because you knew, you know, that you missed that little part, that little part that didn't allow you to go further. Just this ego thing, you know, and for poker players, I think in general, ego is such a huge thing that stops many of us from achieving um, the true potential. And not only because, you know, sometimes we are too, how should I, well, too full of ourselves to ask a question to other people, to, to listen to other opinions, but also because, you know, when you're dealing with a downswing, when you're dealing with uh, just the normal variants, if you have too much ego invested in there, it always becomes personal. It's me against the other guy. It's, uh, oh my God, it's so unlucky towards me. You know, uh, it's just not fair, blah, blah, blah. This is bullshit. There's not, it's nothing to do with you. You make your decisions. You follow through your process, whatever that process is, the decision-making process that you do in game, that's all you can control. And there's nothing personal. You know, the cards didn't roll out to offend you. You know, it's, they don't care. Nobody cares. It's your ego is just something that stops you from, Focusing on what's important. And the only thing that is important is keep improving and make good decisions. As good of a decision as you can. You're still going to make a lot of mistakes, but it's fine. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, uh, my, my football or my esports experience might be your poker experience, whoever is listening right now. So you might not achieve the success you desire, but maybe it might be the next one maybe you get into something else like some sort of business opportunity or maybe you suddenly get into your dream job and you learn what you have learned in poker and you apply it and uh, try to uh, avoid the mistakes you made in poker whether it's yours your ego was too big or you were too passive too scared and you should have be a little bit more confident what, whatever it is like if you i think i had football i had esports i had some other business things that i did before poker and wilds poker so i would probably say four to five things that i did before poker where i spent a lot of energy and time on not just you know trying one project over the weekend it didn't fail them or it didn't turn out to be the superstar project so then i moved on so literally spending a year or two years on something didn't turn out to be the thing that i desired and then trying something else, learn from it, trying again, learning from it, trying again. And then poker turned out to be the thing that, yeah, I finally acquired all this experience from all the previous projects and I assembled all the mistakes, learned from it. And finally, and to be fair, I went broke three times in the beginning because I also didn't want to apply the strategies that my friends told me to apply because I thought I'm better than anyone else. So even in poker, it took me to a while to understand because then I realized, fuck, it's the same pattern I used to have in esports and, and football. So, okay, let's listen to them. Let's drop everything that I know that, or I consider I know, I, I, I knew nothing in poker back then, of course, and just listen to the feedback. So... That's what I'm trying to teach to people as well. Like, just because poker doesn't turn out to be the thing that 
you really wanted to do so badly and you wanted to become a professional poker player, but you realize, okay, it's just, just not meant to be. Don't give up. Try another project. Give it all you have in this project. Try to learn from the mistakes you had in poker. Maybe this also doesn't turn out to be your thing. Then try the next thing. It literally, literally took me 10 years until I always, my always dream was always doing something that has nothing to do with a nine to five job, whether it's being a professional athlete, esports, poker, business. That, that was for me sure. I was not really sure what exactly, but I wanted to have something where I'm my own, my own boss, basically. And it took me four or five projects, 10 years until I found my thing. You know, it's like, that's how it is. Hmm. I mean, yep. not 10 years. If you, okay, if you take my first attempts at football, 16, I don't know, 24, 25, 23, when I would consider myself a professional poker player. I don't know the exact time frames, but it doesn't matter. You get the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, I think, you know, from the experience that you're describing, poker is a field where the trigger for improvement is pretty obvious. You know, you go broke, you have a decision to make, right? In, in, uh, in any other endeavor, like let's say in football and in esports, it's easy to stagnate because the the punishment is not very hard and not very obvious. You know, you might suck on an objective level, but you might not feel this way, right? Because your ego would kind of cloud your judgment and you would say, no, I'm still good. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm getting whatever. The coach doesn't like me because he's an asshole or something like that. Yeah. In poker, this feedback is pretty obvious. You go broke, you can't pretend that you're you're amazing because you went broke first of all because probably bank uh, bankroll management was was wrong all the other things like not being professional enough you know and i like this quote i think it was barry greenstein who once said and i'm gonna paraphrase because i don't really remember the quote but i think he said show me a poker player who never went broke and i'll show you somebody who needs who still has a lot to learn right which is so true i remember the first time i read it i was thinking like well yeah interesting but now i really see how how true it really is right because it's so yeah. easy to just get into the sort of routine of believing your own hype of the yeah, I'm, I'm just doing great you know I'm, I'm so great i'm so successful until you get the reality check which forces you to step out of your you know little dream world and and face the reality that hey you know, there's still a lot of work to to do. You can't stop, right? Because how many people actually achieve something that they set out to do? They had a goal in mind. You know, they they say, "Oh, I, I want to win a you know a Sunday Million or whatever." They do it, and then what? Do you just stay and celebrate for the year, or you know, the very next day you go back to the studies, you go back to your routine? The work doesn't stop. It never stops. Yeah. I know. A very good book that I really like. Uh, I'm going to upload a YouTube video, by the way, very soon. Uh, my top five books for a strong mindset. Uh, one of the books, um, don't, don't want to spoil too much, of course, but it basically teaches this approach of sex, success is not a static. It's not a static thing. It's not you reach it once and then it's over because you will lose all the success over and over, uh, over and over again once you reach it and you stop studying you stop improving it's it's never 
it's never the same level. It goes either up or down. So if you stop, you will lose all the money. You will lose all your the skill set. It will fade away. If someone stops going to the gym, he will lose all his muscle weight. The same if you stop studying, you will lose all your, your, your muscles in the brain or they will start shrinking. You will forget certain techniques and concepts. You will get worse at the poker tables. That's, that's a law, period. And you will lose your money because you make less money or you start losing money with poker. You still have all the expenses. All the money is gone. All the success is gone. You're not successful anymore. You were successful once, maybe for a certain period, but it never lasts forever. So you have to earn the success over and over and over again. Same with your happiness. You have to work for your happiness. It's not the traditional work. It's work such as sitting there in silence with a book, with a pencil, writing down what you want in life, sitting in silence and meditating, being very selective about the people that you have in your life, and so on, and so on, and so on. And this is a grind. But this is what life makes so exciting and what will bring you a lot of happiness and pleasure in life. So it's definitely worth spending the time on that. If you opt to watch two hours, three hours Netflix every evening or play video games three or four hours every day and you say you don't have time for that, that's okay. If it makes you happy, if you're the happiest person in the world, I don't mind. But if you complain that your life is miserable and you spend all this time on that bullshit, well, then so be it. I also occasionally like to play video games. I, I Of course, I, I'm not saying never spend time on things that... Uh, that bring you short-term pleasure, but don't overdo it, you know, and find the right amount of time that you also spend on finding out what you want in life or however you want to call it. Mm. Great advice. And I'm really looking forward to your video, the five top five books. Uh, was it top five books, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Because I'm always fascinated in a subject, you know, of which books that are not, have nothing to do with poker, taught you the most about poker you know that's yeah. such a such a big topic because there's so many parallels with uh, other things Absolutely. right so yeah I'm, i don't want to you know you go through the list now because let's all just go and watch the video i'm, I'm gonna definitely um watch it as soon as it's out uh, it's such a great topic um you know what i want to talk about a bit is i'm quite curious about um one thing. So you've achieved visibly great success in so many tournaments, right? The big scores and uh, the biggest ever Poker Stars tournament that was that was held. Uh, you won the Scoop, you won the W Coop. The first time you made a big score, how did it feel? Not as good as you would expect it to feel, to be honest. That's, that's where I also realized reaching those monetary goals it comes with a lot of responsibility and accountability afterwards what i'm going to do with this money if i had a purpose with it i could finally afford something that has a deep meaning for it for it or for me sorry then i had much more happiness having the score but if it was just for me okay another score then you're happy, you know, of course, you're excited for a little bit, but the next day it's gonna it remains the same. So also here, um, 
the money is important to a certain degree. And then it's up to you what you make with it. If if you finally can afford something that is is a very meaningful goal for you, you might be able to to help your parents with like paying them back or friends or whoever who might be in a financially critical situation. Uh, and this has meaning for you to, to, to financially support them. Great. You're probably going to be super, super happy about it. Um, and I've, of course, sometimes, you know, we're a little bit lazier and slacking a little bit with our goal setting and, and, and journaling and reflecting. And I'm really much in the grind and I don't attach a specific goal with, let's say, making X, Y, Z amount of money, then if I make money, then there's less happiness as if I would achieve a certain score and there's a more meaningful goal behind, uh, connected to to that score. So, mm. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask this question because, you know, I've, I see it over and over again with people who... Um, achieved a big score and in a way I had the same um, in my own career at one point you know obviously not on the same scale because as a cash game player I never have an extraordinary day I never all of a sudden land into a huge win of you know a W Coop event that would be really weird if I did because I don't play them but um, a lot of people actually get into this sort of identity crisis or, or you know kind of fall into the trap of you achieve something that you thought you always wanted you get it and then you realize okay but now what what is my life now what is my identity what's the goal you know so it's a lot of people i think after achieving one big success and then achieving several more clearly because they were still consistently uh, striving towards it after that first success they sort of reassess their life and uh, their goals and their priorities and their vision in general. And for many people, it's a trigger, you know, and it's, it's sad that we have to come to that point to realize that there must be more to your life than just that little goal that you had, right? Yeah. It would have been, because you don't have to, you shouldn't have to achieve great success financially to figure out, okay, you know what? I could have lived my life differently and I would have been happier along the way all those you know, years or months, whatever, that I was a bit miserable, which happens to yeah. a lot of people, right? And another Absolutely. thing, you know, what I want to point out, which I think your story is such a beautiful in the illustration uh, on the topic, you know, because from outside, if people think, well, Ben CB, they, well, I don't know what everybody thinks, but, you know, some people might think, or I, I might think, you know, this guy achieved so much, he's so successful, and that's all we see. If you start digging deeper, you have to realize, you know, this guy went to through, you know, you, you went broke a few times during your career. You started out down there, you started out low, you... You were so humble and open-minded to just basically reach out to as many people as you could on the forums and elsewhere to gain advice. You went through a proper journey and it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of sacrifices that you've made and it's a lot of just being honest with yourself, right? Mm. And that's something that people don't see because obviously, why would we think about it? Just, you know, okay. You know, he achieved a lot. Well, good for him. You know, some people hate you. Some people love you for that. 
But the reality, the true lesson here is it's a lot of hard work and you want to achieve something, you're going to have to work really hard. There's no, you know, three tips from Ben CB that's going to make you, you know, the best tournament player in the world. There's probably three years of hard work that could do it, but, um, you know, there's no substitute there, really. Not really, yeah. Right. Let's address a few things in the chat because we've been completely neglecting it, and uh, that's not really nice. I mean, us, let I me just maybe illustrate on the on the on the part of uh, to sacrifice because that's a good point. Yeah. You have to distinguish between your personal life, your work life, um, business, poker, whatever, and of course your relationships and your family. And I would say sacrifice is very very important on this personal level so you have to ditch parties to work on to study your game uh you have to uh sometimes ditch uh, vacations for a year in order to save money in order to you know yeah spend the time on studying there's something you have to find out for yourself i think this is important but don't sacrifice on the level of your relationships with your family because these relationships, you don't want them to have suffered. Sometimes it's okay to, to ditch a birthday if there's something important. But it shouldn't be on a regular basis, like not seeing your friends and family for six months. But it's okay to be in your cave for three, four months, grinding, hustling, and studying. You can still interact with people, study partners, have a chat with a friend, maybe here and there, uh, have a coffee with a friend, but not constantly going out on parties, uh, every month going on a vacation. Like, these are the sacrifices you have to make. I, To be frank, I wasn't going on a vacation for three years, even though I already had a quite a lot of money, I think when I was 23 or 24. When I was traveling, it was for poker purpose. We did a boot camp somewhere, or I went to Las Vegas for playing poker. But a traditional vacation, I haven't had for quite some time. And but I still took care. Like I, I tried to visit my family, uh, to talk to them with my friends, see my friends as much as I can. So, but try to cut out as much of the distraction as possible: parties, drinking alcohol, going on vacations. It's not that you need that so badly, especially when you're younger. And if there's something that you really want to go after, you can go very short on on this level but don't shorten it too much on on the level of your relationships and the family i think you have to distinguish between these two because so often people hear me saying yeah you have to work hard you have to sacrifice things uh don't spend your time on bullshit i'm saying not on bullshit and family and friends are not bullshit sometimes we need this place of safety this place of of comfort for with our friends and family we can uh Re regain momentum, we can regain confidence, maybe get some support. That's why it's so important to have the right people in your life. Um, maybe spending time with friends that will tell you, hey, poker sucks shit, it's just a game of luck, don't play it. You shouldn't spend time with these kind of people too much. So always distinguish between just... Be I'm not saying grind 24-7 and study 24-7. You will burn out, you're in for the long run. Spend your time wisely and not too much on bullshit. You don't need to horse around on every party every weekend 
and be wasted and be drunk. You can skip parties for a month. If there is a, an exciting party that you've been really looking for, that you're really inspired to go there, not because others are dragging you to come to drink, then go there, have a good time. But the more you do it, then don't complain of not, of not seeing the results, where others that you compete with are spending more time on studying. It's, it's that easy. It's, it's hard to give very practical advice. It's, it's, it's still quite generic. But I think it goes in the direction of, okay, being able to distinguish what, what, what does it mean, spending time on bullshit and spending time outside of poker that helps you to recover, helps you to get the right perspective and helps getting you also feedback from others, um, whether it's on a poker level or mindset level. Mm. This is great advice. Super important. Yeah. The, you know, the relationships, the family. And again, there's several pir- pillars that we can consider as, as the main foundation of every individual you know and people have different values some people dif- uh, value the family above other things some people don't in the end it is a personal choice but if you're making a sacrifice in your relationships and your family you have to realize that it's gonna you know it's gonna change how your life is gonna look like right yeah. i recently had a lot of thoughts on the topic because I was uh, seriously considering playing against Phil Galfond in the challenge and I deliberated on that for about three weeks and we were discussing with him, going through the details and, you know, uh, talking, basically trying to finalize the whole thing and I realized I can't, I can't do this, you know, I, with the 12-hour time difference, etc, etc, the commitment of 50,000 hands and like two and a half, three months playing plus you know as much time as i could possibly get leading up to that for studies i have a family i have a kid i don't want to sacrifice my life for something like that with a huge commitment that you know completely kills my freedom and a lot of people didn't understand that and i was like okay i see why you don't understand it but these are my values you know for me to miss dinner with my family for four months that's a big thing that's a big thing because I'm not going to be happy. I mean, if I have to, you know, I basically don't see them because I would sleep one day and wake up. I would um, play when um, when they're having dinner. It's not for me. You know, everybody has individual values and I, I can totally understand why other people might not see it this way. But uh, you have to understand what's important to you and then live your life in a way that, you know, doesn't contradict these things. Yeah. Where are you from, actually? Uh, well, I'm actually not disclosing it, but uh, yeah, well, I'm not yeah, neither Russian or, or Greek. And actually, you know what? Let's talk about this. The not showing your face, you know, because that's clearly yeah. what he's, uh, I don't know, why is he going crazy about it? You had the same thing, right? You had the same thing. And obviously, nowadays, you're showing your face. Do you want to yeah. give me the story about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, you you don't want to show your face, so I can totally understand that. Um, you're still competing in, 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 on a regular basis in the highest games, and I've been there. So, guys, give him some. Uh, you shouldn't be hard, too hard to himself that he doesn't want to talk about himself, who he is, what matters is the message that we can bring across. And yeah, for me, it was essentially that it didn't matter to me. Like I know people wanted there, yeah, but who are you? What, what do you look like? But it didn't matter for me. Those weren't my values. It, were, it was not important to me that you know how I look like. 
at the end, I have to make the decision for myself if I want to put myself in front of the cam. And it, is, it was just a distraction for me. I simply wanted to focus on producing content, on playing poker well, and cut out as many distractions as possible. At some point, though, I, when we had an event in Vienna, I realized how valuable it could be to work with people face-to-face -face in real life. And that's where I decided, or I started reconsidering my decision about not revealing myself. And I came to the conclusion that I think it would bring me more happiness to reveal myself. I could also have more epic projects, being on podcasts like this, being on podcasts like Joey Ingram, uh, trying to help more people, because that's my life mission. I want to help as many people as possible. And being hidden, it's something, it's going to be incredibly difficult. But I also wanted to show people that you don't need to be uh, you can still create good content even without showing yourself because people have so many excuses. Yeah, I'm not good looking enough. I don't have the equipment. I mean, remember the shitty equipment we had when we started the YouTube content. Uh, sound was terrible. There was no video. Uh, the video quality of the tables was probably not the best. You could barely see anything. Yet we started. It's a process. And then you adjust along the, le along the way and you optimize along the way. But you don't need the fancy shit. You don't need to have everything figured out perfectly to start, yeah, to start rolling or to start doing your business, start playing poker or whatever, or reaching out to others. Just do it and then adjust along the way. That was also uh, very interesting to, to, to see for me how it works if, if I also can get my message out there and help people without showing myself. But then at some point, the advantages uh, trumped the, the disadvantages of, 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 of revealing myself. So then I decided to do it. Right. Well, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. And I'm sort of going through a similar journey of, you know, from the very beginning, I thought, well, I'm not going to reveal my identity for, well, the main reason is because I still, as you said, I, I still complete, compete every day, both online, which obviously doesn't matter because I reveal my true online identity. I am Runchucks on uh, Poker Stars, right? Uh, yeah. my real name and my face is not revealed because I still compete in the live games um, around the world. And I just feel that it's bad for business, right? Yeah. And so far, in fact, up to today, nobody ever sort of got too focused on the fact that I'm not revealing myself because, hey, this is, this is a podcast. You know, in the end of the day, people are supposed to listen, not watch. I'm not going to be dancing here with my microphone, you know. And of course, I oh, see the appeal of, <laughs> you know, I see the appeal of, uh, sure, if somebody's so showing their face, you get more connection to them. You, you know, with, from all the marketing books, they would tell you, well, you know, you, you get a better um, connection to your audience if you show your face. Sure. But yeah. that's not my goal. My goal is to make money playing poker. That's my main thing. I'm doing this because I want to help people. And like, like you said, you know, you don't have to follow all the marketing advice and, you know, maximize your exposure, et cetera, et cetera, to reach a million people. I'm fine if I'm just going to help a small audience, the people who really need to hear the message, they're going to hear it one way or another. And that is a great thing. That's why we're doing this. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, I mean, maybe one day, I mean, one day, of course, I might show my face because there's nothing like no reason apart from I just believe it's bad for business. 
when that's not yeah. going to be the case anymore, where I'm going to decide, okay, you know, lo- traveling for life poker is not a big part of my life anymore, then yeah, that obstacle is gone and, and let's go. Why not? Yeah, definitely. Right. Anyway, so now I know I wanted to address the chat before we got into all these discussions. Maybe discussion, go, through the chat, uh, go through the chat, maybe pick a question or two. I really have to uh, go to the toilet and do a, do right. a tiny business, all right? I'm going to be back all in a right. minute. All right, that's cool. So anyway, guys, I, I'm going to just stop, uh, start at the bottom of the chat because, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of scrolling to do. I'm, I apologize for that. But uh, so what do we see here? Uh, what is your grind and study schedule with family? Um well, good question because it's it's not easy. Um, especially like my my own schedule nowadays is pretty messed up because you know of the other commitments apart from poker, um, such as you know coaching with Bluff the Spot, and I have other business interests that I'm actively actively involved in. So recently, especially recently, I've been having a lot of thoughts on a sort of how to fix the schedule, how to fix uh, my daily routines. Um, And it basically boiled down to the fact that I had to remind myself that, hey, my identity, I see myself first first and foremost, first and foremost, (laughs) Jesus. I see myself as a poker player. So my day should be around that, you know? And in fact, yesterday was the first day in a long time when I managed to put in a, a 10 hour session, which was, completely completely unexpected because we had basically 10 hours of games uh, running on the you know high stakes in poker stars so that was good but um, in general my routine would be I try to play as much as I can when I can free up some time from my other commitments uh, and I'm pretty diligent at continuing to study almost every day uh, obviously it's impossible to stick with it every day but one thing that i follow and i i can highly ad, um, recommend to everyone um, it's called um whatever it's called basically the idea is you are not allowed to miss more than two days right so i, I basically have a little calendar where i put a cross for every day when i um you know studied at least for one hour and it, you know sometimes i miss a day and i i you know, would leave it blank, but I'm not allowed to have more than two blanks in a row. So basically when the third day comes after two days of missing the studies, I know basically as soon as I wake up, I'm going to have to study because I can't afford to have one one more day like that. And that's a cool technique for you guys if you want to try it out. It's very useful. I've been just, you know, talking about some productivity techniques that I've been using for, you know, managing my yeah. studies and... Uh, Etc. Uh, all right. And by the way, all of you guys who who were saying positive things about the podcast and about our message, I really appreciate it. I try not to. Yeah, it's very nice. I I try not to sort of address the chat too much. I've been going back and forth with it uh, throughout our podcasts. I feel like you know, with some guests, and in this case with with Ben, there's so much to talk about, and we only have. As much time as we have so i just want to keep going keep going keep going you know and uh try not not to interrupt the flow yeah. um anyway what do you use to study um 
Wow. You know what? We don't have enough time for that because that list is huge. You know, I'm I'm of the opinion that anything, any tool, any advice, any anything that you can get yourself into, you should use it. But some techniques, some approaches are more efficient than others. So you have to find for your yourself, your your own personality, the way your mind works. Find a way to use your time in the most efficient way. Right? Because just because somebody's studying eight hours a day, if their approach is inefficient, somebody who's studying 30 minutes a day very, very efficiently, they're gonna be beating the other guy all the time. Right? So be careful with that. You know, what, what you call studies might not be actual studies, might not be actually all that amazing. Yeah. Do you guys do I journaling? Think, okay, come on. I think I, I think for studying that trumps everything that you have to start with is surround yourself with other players. That's that's a necessity. Because if you study HRC, if you study Pyrosolver, you always have to put your, your opponent on certain ranges. You always have to make your play according to what your opponent is doing. So the more insights you gain, what other players might think, what population is doing or certain opponents, what makes sense, the more accurate your input will be. And then the more accurate your results will be and the better your game will become. So if you have PyroSolver, GTO studying, taking notes, database analysis, um, ICM study, whatever it is, Take this, put this on second uh, priority and first start grinding the forums, grinding Discord. Hey, I'm this and this and this. I'm playing these stakes. I am 27 years old. I'm from Lithuania. My name is Pete. Uh, my goals in poker are this and this. I can, and also try always to first provide value. Say, I'm really good in this. Maybe you can say I have a background in editing. Um, just try to... As, as if you're selling yourself, if you have something to offer, and then people will reach, reach, reach out to you and then do study-to-study, user-to-user study coachings. Review hands. See who do you come along very well with, who you don't have such a great chemistry with and you might move on and, and split apart from. I talked with this also about, uh, uh, I talked about this also with uh, Joe Ingram where this is then a grind and one out of 10 will be a very, very good fit for your vision, for your goals, you have very great chemistry. And that's also how Gatsby continue emerged and continuously progressed until it was a group of highly dedicated, highly passionate poker players that everyone in this group um, proceeded to a, a very successful poker player. And I think this was not a coincidence. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Especially once you start pushing each other and, uh, you know, some sort of synergy um, arises, sort of. It's, it's you know, and actually, I remember you talked about it in a Joey Ingram podcast. You said, you know, when the synergy comes, it's not no longer one plus one is two. It's like more like one plus one is seven. And it's exactly, so true, yeah. you know. And uh, also just, you know, sometimes it's so important to figure out the things the direction as opposed to just the techniques you know because some people would just open a solver and okay let's go let's do a solver grind for eight hours if you don't really know what you're doing if you didn't arrive to the right techniques of how to maximize 
the time, like the efficiency of the time that you you spend here, it's not really great, right? But because, for example, for myself, one of the things that I study a lot is studying itself. And there's a lot of books out there and a lot of material, a lot of courses that you can go through. And I went through a lot of them with the goal of trying to understand how to study more efficiently, how to process the information more efficiently, how to um, recall the information more efficiently in real time. Because it doesn't matter if you're one of the biggest geniuses out there, if you you know, if you get a hand history, you have 10 hours to analyze, you're going to be close to a solver every hundred percent like of the time. It doesn't matter if you can't execute your decision in play while you have a bunch of tables and you only have a few seconds to make your decision, right? Because in the end, that's yeah. the real life. You have to be able to recall this information efficiently in a super short amount of time, right? So for example, for yeah. me, this is something that I've studied for probably hundreds of hours. I've read, you know, dozens of books on the subject, watched everything that I could get my hands on there, right? That's part of studies. It's not only, okay, let's open up the Pio Solver, you know, let, let's go. The thing is, 100%, yeah. if you can get, you know, another player that you can talk to, who's going to share these ideas with you? Who's going to tell you, well, you know what, this works for me, try it. And that's another important thing. I don't think that, especially in the, when it comes to studies, there is no sort of one approach fits all. Everybody's individual, yeah. you know, and same goes for coaches. You're not going to be able to work with every coach. You're not going to be able to work with every player. But if you try several players to work with, you know, you're going to find your match, you know, and then hopefully there's going to be another group like, you know, you guys did uh, back in the day when everybody achieved great success. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't agree more. There's someone asked about bankroll management for hypers. There is an article on our website about bankroll management. I think uh, if you go to raiseedge.com and check the article section, you will find some more stuff about bankroll management. Right. And by the way, we're going to have this recording on YouTube, um, you know, in the next week or a bit, bit more than that. And I'm going to put all the links to your stuff in the description, you know, where people can find your material, etc. Because I, you know, again, as much material as you can get your hands on, go for it. You know, there's so much yeah. material out there. Ben is giving you advice on things that he went and discovered through his experience. What is there, What like, what's your reason not to read this thing, right? Because yeah. I know for myself, for example, you know, I, I try to, I basically don't have enough time and I don't want to spend time on social media. I don't want to, you know, follow every podcast. I don't want to follow yeah, everything yeah. out there. <laughs> There's a limited amount of podcasts that I could afford my time to to spend on you know so i really really appreciate everybody who's watching us right now because i i think it's a it's a huge thing with so much out there you could do so many other things right now but you're watching this and you're listening to us i really appreciate it right but my reasoning for example for choosing only a few things to do out of everything that is out there is because i've discovered through a lot of experimentation what are the most efficient things that propel me to my goal 
right? So I'm not going for after every material. I'm not going after yeah. every blog post. But when you're starting out, you have nothing better to do than just trying, you know, dipping your finger in everything, all of the material. Try it all. Can't agree more. Actually, you know what? Another thing that I want to talk about with you is esports, right? Because of course you have uh, an esports background yourself, and I know that uh, Raise Your Edge currently is is also uh, offering some esports products. Um, uh, no, not not products. We have uh, we have signed players that are competing in several games for us. Right. Under the Raise Your Edge flag. All right. So what what you you are present in the esports field? Let's rephrase yeah. it. Okay. Um, it seems that there are a lot of parallels nowadays with esports and poker, and you know there's some experimentation and the way some of the Twitter channels are set up. You know, people mm, not Twitter. I mean Twitch. Uh, you know, people streaming their live play. Etc. Etc. What's your opinion on that? Like, are these two industries going to converge somehow? Is there going to be, you know, lessons we can learn from esports in terms of popularizing the game? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't think necessarily it's going to be um, that it's going to be merging into each other in some way, but I think that you will have. This is one of the closest industry to poker esports that has very similar traits, very similar characteristics. So I think that, um, I mean, if you take the let's say fitness industry, it's very unlikely that someone who's into fitness might be interested in poker. But esports, it's more likely that a couple of people out of hundred might find interest in poker and switch over to poker. Um, so. That's why I got into esports because I also see some benefits for trying to bring make poker more popular. That people that see Razor Edge Gaming, they say, "Oh, what's the background? Oh, poker! Oh, interesting! Oh, cool! Let's check it out!" And then they go to get hooked up with poker, and I bring new people to poker, which is essential for uh, a sustainable poker economy. Um, and since it's a game, I think. People, esports players like to solve problems, right? In the game, they like to be competitive. And the same as we have in poker, it's a, we solve problems. We have to make a lot of decisions. We don't have all information at hand. And it's also highly competitive. So it has similar traits. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to, you know, um, benefit from each other. Right, right. I don't have much to add there because, I mean, I, I'm obviously not well informed about what's going on in esports. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the thing that, you know, there seems to be some parallels nowadays, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And I've been reading the chat just now a bit and I see a few things that I want to just out say to you guys. Like, if you have questions about variants, dealing with the variants, I'm sure um, you can find a lot of information on... Uh, raise the edge you can find some videos on my youtube channel about that and same goes for galphon challenge i don't want to uh, spend our time with ben today to discuss the galphon challenge i've discussed it extensively uh, before and uh, you can find some things on youtube i've recently reviewed the five biggest pots that i've played so far so you might find some insights there just quickly want to say that i hope phil doesn't give up i think phil yeah 
is gonna well he definitely needs some time to regroup and some time to you know improve some of the aspects of his game but uh, i fully expect him to be back at it uh, first of march we'll see how it plays out yeah nobody would blame him for bailing out and preparing for the next challenges but i i believe that he's not gonna do it i think there's still a lot to play for there's still fifteen thousand hands ahead and uh you know phil i hope is gonna be back mm. One thing that I want, because we, we don't have much time left, and by the way, guys, we're going to have Arthur from Bluff the Spot streaming right after us. He's going to be playing live uh, on stream, so that's quite entertaining. You guys can watch. But one thing I think that is important to address with you, Van, is working in groups, right? Because obviously you have great experience yourself, and you have great experience of asking questions to people, reaching out to people, and finding uh, the right people to work with. What would be some of the advices that you could give to people who are trying to find uh, a little group to work with? They're trying to find some people to, you know, to share their ideas. Do you have anything from your experience that you kind of learned uh, along the way? Um, action trumps words. So when I grinded the forums, I didn't need to tell people, hey, you know, I'm very dedicated because they should, they saw I put in so much effort and work to post hands and give feedback that they knew I am dedicated. So they actually started reaching out to me, hey, you want to study together? So I attracted the people into my into my circle, into my uh, into my studies. And the same for you. If you're in a Discord community, if you're in a forum, instead of constantly posting and trying to reach value, hey, I need these people, I need these people, please reach out to me, let's study together. Don't come across as too needy. And just simply be supportive, be positive, give people feedback. You, you will see those people. And there are also a lot of people that aren't so active. They're a little bit shy, but they're actually great assets. They have a lot of to say and a lot to share. And they will reach out to say, hey, buddy. And they might even play higher. Do you want to study together? And yeah, just, just be the person that you want to be working with. If you want to work with someone who supports you, is positive, is dedicated and disciplined and has big goals in poker, you have to be this person or attract, attract the person. If you're negative, toxic, you're lazy, and you want people doing the jobs for you, you're not going to, or you doing the work for you, they might do it for several days, but they will figure out that you're lazy as fuck and they're going to leave you. So always be the person that you want to attract in your lives. And then they will come. It's just a matter of time. Right. And what you said, action trumps words. That is so true. You know, because, well, there's no substitute for that. You have to do the work. If you work alone, you, you work with other people. It's the work that matters. You can, you know, talk about how you're going to study or how you're going to become better all you want. If you're actually not doing that, yeah, it's all for nothing. It's just words. So yeah, yeah, amazing. And of course, you know, again, there's no one thing fits all. You know, the group of people that I want to work with might be different to the group of people that Ben might want to work with. And it might be very different to a group of people you want to work with. And also, you know, everybody goes through periods in their life. As we change individually, you know, and as we grow as professionals, we might need to at some point find another group. 
You know, it's not like uh, you once you start with the group, that's it. You're you're sticking with it. It's not nothing personal. You know, you outgrow relationships. Absolutely, you yeah. outgrow, you know, all sorts of relationships. It, it can be private or or business, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just natural, and you, you need to embrace it and move on. You know, and hopefully your group grows with you, and everybody moves in the same direction all of the time. That's the dream case. That's the dream scenario. That's not always the case. Hundred percent. Wow, Ben, you know what? I don't even know what else to add today. I think we've covered so many great topics, so many things that people really need to hear. I mean, even as a refresher, you know, when I'm having these conversations with my guests, very often I feel like I've learned something or at least I refreshed something that was somewhere there in the back of my mind, but it's so useful. And I, I so appreciate, you know, some of the advice you gave today and some of the things you pointed out, they are so valuable. And, uh, you know, thanks for doing this. Um, I really like it. Eh? Yeah. So what all of the links, all of the links to your stuff, they're going to be in the description of the YouTube video. The, appreciate that. The video here on Twitch is still going to be available for you guys to watch for the subscribers only uh, for some time. But like I said, on YouTube, you can catch up later. I'm going to post uh, it probably between like seven to 10 days from now. And I'm going to inform you on, on Twitter. Um, what else do you do you have anything you want to add maybe about some you know upcoming things that you have business wise or otherwise or do you have like a big message that you want to leave people with today a big message is always be the change you wish to see in the world if if you want to surround yourself with a certain amount of a certain trait of people then also live according to these standards and don't just try to always leech value and uh, learn from others. Also, uh, give value. And very often in relationships and partnerships you get into, you have to give first. And if there's someone that is very valuable, he will also give back immediately. Or he might be giving back right away or give first. And then it's like, okay, I really appreciate the relationship. And it's like giving, taking, giving, taking. That's where a relationship really go, grows. And with all my friends, I have the feeling I don't mind just giving a lot, like not not materialistic, but giving them advice, helping them, listening or whatever, um, and 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 not seeing it as as a burden or anything. And that makes a great relationship great and very beneficial for your journey. And it's it's a it's a grind though. You you will meet people that take advantage of it. Don't get me wrong. Um, you will see people. Um, exploiting you or um, taking advantage of it, and then you just move on. But the problem is if you're already very, if you're very hesitant at the beginning, like, okay, let's see, is he able to provide me with a lot of value? Is he able to give me first? And then you wait for too long, these people will move away. So I had a lot of, it comes with a sacrifice. It comes with a sacrifice that you're giving first, you're trusting in these people, not blindly. I mean, not, not telling you, give them your credit card details. And then, <laughs> I mean, don't be stupid, okay? Don't be stupid. But in order for a relationship to grow, 
you have to put some level of trust into that relationship and also put some value first and then it's a giving and taking. But if you're too hesitant, if you're too afraid, no, I don't want to give away anything. I want to see what he has to give. I don't trust him yet. How can a great relationship grow from that? And again, you will have relationships where the other person just takes at the beginning, takes, takes, not, nothing giving back, just exploiting you. It's like a parasite. But then it's your responsibility to see that, to recognize it. Important not to give everything you have. Again, don't be stupid. But then move on. Try someone else. Again, parasite, move on. And then ultimately, you will find the people that appreciate it and they will give back 10 times more. I had so many people that took advantage of me, that tried to, tried to exploit me. But without me putting in the trust first and, and giving value first, I would have never met the people in my life that I have today, period. Hmm. And if you try to be always hesitant and not giving anything, you will never meet the people. So decide what you want. Yes, you will never get exploited, but you will also never find the people that you need in your lives. It comes with a sacrifice. Wow, what a great advice. And there's a book, uh, Give and Take. Is it one of your five books that you recommend in the video? No, I've never read this no. book, to be honest. It's a great book. It talks exactly about what, you, uh, what you're talking. Give and Take is I the think, title. I think I had it from a leadership book. Right. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I, I have read a similar concept in a book, and I think more by coincidence. I, I was living by this philosophy once I realized how beneficial relationships can be. And he said that, yes, you can be a leader that is very strict and always tells people what to do, but you will also limit their creativity and you will limit the relationship. You will never get exploited if you're very hard and almost like a dictator. But if you give more freedom and you let them evolve themselves and you give them, you don't keep them on the short rope, yes, you will become more susceptible towards people that are going to take advantage of it and fuck you over or are lazy and you pay them for nothing. But you will also meet the people that really appreciate that and they will pay back 10 times in value. So it's the same with relationship. It's the same in, in leadership with people that you work with. You decide, do you want to be the dictator? Do you want to be the one that gives freedom, gives value, um, provides a great environment to grow? But then you will ultimately also come across people that take advantage of it. Hmm. It's just... Absolutely. And I can highly recommend anybody uh, interested to read the book Give and Take, which is not the book that uh, Ben has read, but uh, I read it. I think that's that's the book that I read these concepts in. And there was another um, thing related to everything that you just said uh, on the Give and Take subject, how many people sort of keep a scorecard of, okay, I give you advice, I need an advice back from you. Yeah, Before yeah, you give me yeah. something back, I'm not giving you the second advice, you know, or how many times it's like somebody asks you, hey, can you connect me to this friend? Like, let's say it's a business opportunity and they want a connection to an investor. A lot of people would be like, uh, no, I need, an, uh, you know, I need a favor from that investor myself. So I'm not going to send my friend because, you know, he's going to use up my favor as if there's only one favor to give. Right. They don't yeah. think in terms of, sure, he can help my friend, he can help his friend. But in the end, you know, if I keep sending good people towards him, giving him good business, he's also going to help me. But I don't need to rely on that. You know, you don't have to, you know, and it's so 
so counter, like so unproductive and so stupid from some people to wait always to get something back. You know, yeah. I give you advice. Well, you better give me an advice back. Otherwise, you know, I'm not giving you more information. That's stupid. That's not how the world works. If you only work like this, you're going to surround yourself with people who work like this. And what kind of relationship is that? You know, it's not going to be one of those where everybody grows exponentially of trying to constantly help each other as much as they can, because everybody's going to withhold something. Everybody's going to always keep the score of, okay, I think I gave too much to him. I still didn't get anything back, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Anyway. One mistake you should avoid though, is if you, if you reach out and ask for a favor, don't make the mistake and try to put what you can offer as on the same level as what you expect from someone. So let's, let's take an example. If you reach out to someone and you ask him, let's say I, I had people who said, Hey Ben, I can help you editing a clip. And takes like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And then in return, they ask, Hey, you know, I, uh, can you, or can you, can you help me like do an hour of coaching? I help you editing this clip. So I charge 500 euros and I can probably provide him value that where he can make so much money out of this one hour. Whereas I probably need to spend only if I go on a website, look for an editor, I can get this clip done for like 20, 30 euros. So try to not bullshit the other person. It's not wrong though. To just get go someone, and if you already have an established relationship, and just ask for a favor. You don't always need to offer something in return, especially when it's not the same value. Because then the other person feels bullshitted. I would have much more likely to say yes if it's a genuine request and I have the time. Of course, I'm not always giving away free coaching. I was like, you know what? Let's not do an hour, but I help you 20 minutes. I probably can give you some feedback. Tomorrow I will be on the road anyway, so I have some time. Let's do a Skype call. Let me know what, what you're struggling with. I don't need always someone telling me, okay, I can give you this in return, especially when it's never the same value, right? So also for my friends, if they ask me for an advice, if you ask your mother, your father, or your, a friend for an advice, are you always offering something in return? No, you don't. And if you have a genuine request, like, hey, listen, uh, I need help with that and that. Could you help me out? Uh, I don't have anything in return for you, whatever. That's much better than trying to offer something where you basically think the other person is a fool and he's going to see, well, but like it's not equal or not even close to equal. And then especially in business, when you don't know the person so well and you don't know what, are their, what is their agenda, it kind of feels as if he thinks you're an idiot. Whereas if you would just say straight up, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on here. I need help. Could you help me out? If I figure it out, I might be able to give it back to you at some point, like whether it's, okay, I can give you advice in that or whatever, but, you know, always try to not bullshit the other person when it comes to relationship. Don't, don't try to um, overvalue your own value because if the other person sniffs it out, it feels like you try to fuck them over and this is very toxic for a relationship. Oh, yeah. What a great advice, especially like and if we listen, think about. And listen, honesty trumps everything. If if this guy would said, "Listen, I know it has not the same value, um, in terms of monetary value, maybe for example, but I could have you editing a clip. Let me know." This is a complete different approach. 
I know he recognizes it. He doesn't try to sell me as something that hasn't is, doesn't have the same value, and I'm totally okay with that. The same if I reach out to someone who can clearly bring more value to the table for a partnership. I'm also I'm also speaking out. I say, hey, listen, I see you bring more value to the table. What can I do? Do you mind? And then we move on. And then you know you can trust me because I recognize that he's bringing more value to the table. You know when this awkwardness in a relationship occurs, when like some person, some one one party kind of feels like a little bit exploited, and the other person leeching all this value out of this partnership. This is when these things are not being spoken out. And if I'm the person that I clearly see, okay, this person brings more value to the term, I try to speak it out. I say, listen, I try to give it back to you. And very often they say, no, it's no problem. Like, I don't mind doing it. I enjoy giving you the advice about this or whatever. It's advice. It's, it's, it's monetary. It's some, something materialistic. It doesn't matter. Honesty trumps everything. Don't try to fool the other person. Always see when it comes to partnerships and collaborations, also with your study partners, try to make a deal that is good for both of you. And then you can have a very flourishing partnership. Mm, what a great advice. And also, like, if we just think about, you know, the great stories from mentorship, let's say in business, you know, somebody who is a nobody at that stage, probably just fresh out of university, comes out to one of the most successful business persons out there you know and says yeah. hey i need your advice i i want i'm gonna do whatever it takes i want to learn from you sometimes the answer is going to be yes many times the answer is going to be fuck off i don't have time for this and it's totally fine but you can go and ask for it and you can search for these uh, interactions but you have to know that there's nothing that you can realistically offer to the other person which is of the same value but sometimes this eagerness and you know this motivation to learn is enough because yeah. for somebody who is willing to teach the other guy or disclose some advice and help him along the way that's already quite a reward you know this feeling that you get from seeing you know what this one hour that i spent with this guy actually changed the way he th sees things and he's on the right track right now that's a great yeah. feeling and you can't buy it you know you can't put a value on it and Absolutely. what you said about, you know, trying to trade one favor for the other. I mean, when it happens, when you reach out to somebody who clearly can give you hugely valuable advice, if you're trying to trade something back, you're sort of putting a price on their thing. Yeah, yeah. And you assume that they actually want to sell it, right? Because, for example, you have a product, you have a company... If you want to get advice, like if anybody wants to get advice from you, they should sign up for your company, right? And go through the normal process. You want to reach out directly and get uh, a personal sort of response? Well, it's up to you. But don't try to buy something that's not for sale. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, let's end on this note. Um Ben, I really appreciate you coming on. It, it was a blast. And to be honest, I still have so many questions. We could go on for hours, but of course, uh, you know, we need to be reasonable and we cut it here. Uh, if we ever get a chance to do a round two, I would be super happy. Sure. We can talk about so many other things. Um, and guys, all of you in the chat, really appreciate you taking two hours of your time 
to listen to us talk and i hope you know you learned at least something today keep an eye out on ben's um top five books video i'm looking forward to that one i'm waiting for that and uh yeah and of course if you have you can watch the replay of this on my youtube channel there's a a lot of other material on the youtube channel as well so go there um, and check it out all right thanks for having me well thank you um thank you and well goodbye everyone goodbye guys thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to get a regular email from me personally where i share my key takeaways from each latest episode go to runchexpodcast.com and subscribe to my newsletter and of course I would really appreciate if you subscribe to my channel on YouTube and rate my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform where you normally listen to your podcasts. This really helps.